On a June night in 1980, Friday the 13th, 12 of her friends were murdered. Why should Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? scare anyone, but I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. Look, that guy's one of them now. Jason saw his mother, and he had a Stop it! You hear you! And he took his revenge, 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 revenge. Five long years he's been dormant, and he's hungry. Friday the 13th. Some sort of demented creature. Part two. I don't want to scare anyone. Friday the 13th. Some sort of demented creature. Part two. The body count continues. Friday the 13th. I don't want to scare anyone. Part two. Hey everybody! Oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> I'm your host, horror lover Daniel. With me, my cousin and co-host and horror deplorer, Nathan. That's me. And with me today on a very special episode of 100 Lunatics, 80s schlock movie expert and horror mediator, Jonathan. Hello, everybody. Oh, you gonna step out of your Barney costume and join us? <laughs> I felt the voice should match the intro. We're gonna feel him out. We'll put him through the ringer. We'll haze him properly into the podcast, just like we did with both of us. He's gonna have to make up lyrics for theme songs, <laughs> answer quizzes, reenact scenes from memory, the whole thing. I also want to prepare everyone that there may be, um, well, a little bit of racism against Canadians today. Oh, can you call that because, racism? Uh, That's a nationality, Jonathan, not a race. Jonathan here likes to attack uh, people from Canada and make fun of them. So again, nationality, not a race. So I'm going to refer to you as a racist. <laughs> okay, so we know that he is racist against Canadians. <laughs> Jonathan, what is your relationship to these horror films? Did you grow up with them like I did, or did you avoid them your entire life like Nathan did? Well, actually, I grew up watching a lot of the 80s horror movies, though my appreciation for them didn't start until I started re-watching them. Because as growing up, I didn't really pay attention to what I was watching. It was just a whole bunch of random death on the screen done in very creative ways. But now, I actually get the nuances of the plot. Which makes the movies just extremely better. So purely ironic joy, or is there some sort of mild respect in there as well? Honestly, that depends on the movie. Okay, <laughs> let's not dig too deep in that. I want to keep you on my side. <laughs> Big fan, though. Big fan of the slasher films. Just all the creativity involved. Mm-hmm. Creativity. <laughs> so for this podcast, this very episode you're listening to now, we are on... The Voorhees Saga Part 2, Friday the 13th Part 2, from 1981. Another sequel just a year after the original, huh, Nathan? Um, what, sorry? Yep, okay, thank you. <laughs> it's a very important film, very important. I'm sorry, I was, I was lost in all the titles that you were giving this movie. <laughs> you could just go ahead and call it crap and be done with it. No, because in a series that spawned, what was it, 10 sequels, 11 sequels? Something like that, yeah, right around there. This is the first appearance of an adult Jason Voorhees, so very important. That is, that is true. This is the first time that we get an adult Jason, or that Jason's I actually feel... in the movie. I feel like this is like a contemporary television show 
where there's 12 episodes and it's okay for the first couple of episodes to just purely be expository and um, ridiculous and lame. So I'm kind of holding out. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that when he finally puts on the goddamn hockey mask, <laughs> hockey, yeah. hockey mask, hockey, um, homage, homage to Canada, homage or whatever you want to call it. Anyway, when he finally puts on the goddamn mask and finally decides to use the machete as his main weapon of choice, that these movies actually get better. But uh, I'm not holding my breath. Well, now, again, to be fair, he did have more machete kills in this movie than any other weapon. So, mm. he's so you're saying that this movie is where he is actively deciding? He's shown a liking for it. He, he has. Mm. He saw mm. that his mom liked it. Now he's kind of testing it out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, well, you guys are right. This, is, this, this movie has incredible merit. Expository merit? <laughs> wow. But there's was that was that poor word used too? No, no, no that's right. Um, All right. I was wondering how you were gonna feel because after we did the last episode, you were like, "Please, God, tell me that his mask shows up in this one." <laughs> I just wanted Jason to be there more than anything, so I was happy that Jason was there. You got a hoodie, I was happy Jason. That, you know, the shaky cam now has, or the sway cam, as you refer to it in the previous uh, podcast, now has like. Feet and hands, you know. Oh yeah, coming in. Oh yeah, lots yeah, of black combat boots. Yeah, right. So what we have here is like a number four, the number four copy of uh, Michael Keaton in Multiplicity. Just like Friday the Thirteenth <laughs> was a direct ripoff of Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two is just like a a, a novice's ripoff of the original. Right. So now we're into a copy of a copy. But released May 1st, 1981, 87 minutes long. Nathan, do you have the budget and box office? Um, nope. Thought you would have caught on from last time. <laughs> no, I think, the, I think the budget is $1.2 Close enough. And I think that the box office is 19 Oh, yeah. I got 21 But, yeah, do you see the big, severe drop-off from the first one? Yes, I do. Double the budget, half the profit. Still... 19 or 20 times what they put into it yeah yeah so still phenomenal success yeah you can call that a six that twenty thousand percent is or two thousand percent that would it be two thousand yeah. percent profit not sure john you want to check those numbers <laughs> it, you, you're correct it's it's about two thousand percent just like yep. as if i have yep. a whole team here yep. hold on i'm looking over at my abacus at the moment yeah Elizabeth, can you bring that up? Put it on the big screen? Come on, Bean Counter. Let's go. <laughs> um, so I can already tell just from your tone, I don't even know if I should give you a little quiz this time. Give it to me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Awful demanding there for a Canadian. I quiz. So you I never, like quiz. never tired of uh, you know, showing how little you actually pay attention to these films. <laughs> Well, you show me a movie that deserves my attention, and I and it will receive it. Ooh, that's pretty harsh. Yeah, John, you want to come in on this? I, <laughs> Liz, bring something up for me. Nate, you might be the most spiteful, meanest Canadian I've ever met. I just thought you to be just a peace-loving, happy people. He's like the exception to the stereotype. Uh, I'm the I'm the only Canadian you've met. Well, the stereotype that I know of Canadians is the floppy heads from South Park. So, I mean, that's true. 
But <laughs> that's clearly true. That's, yeah. that's obviously true. And Nate does have this affinity for hockey that he won't shut up about. And he farts a lot. A lot. Yeah. yeah no, I'm seeing where they get this now. I just would have. I just would have figured he'd racist. be nicer. You guys are both racist. All right. Let's see how much you don't know. <laughs> this is a multi-parter. What is the name of the counselor in the wheelchair? Timmy. Mark. Why was he in the wheelchair? Motorcycle accident. Ooh. Ooh, very nice. I think that is six questions. That's the first one you've gotten right over many episodes. <laughs> uh, the doctors say that he uh, he's lost the use of his limbs for the rest of his life, but he doesn't agree with them. That's he's right. going to fight through it, and he's going he's gonna to walk again. What is the name of Terry's dog? Hmm. <sighs> this is an mm. easy one. See what I'm talking about? Spot. John? I'm going to go with spot. Final answer. If by spot you mean muffin, then then you'd be correct. It's muffin. Okay, I'm on fire. I'm on fire here. Lay, lay, this, lay these questions down. I'm on fire. And there's a whole list of questions on this quiz, online quiz, but they all suck. Or they're all, or I know that you're just not going to get them. So, can, why, so why even ask them? Can I try? Ask I, me. I, ask I, me I anything. I, 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 think I will answer maybe. anything that you tell me. You, you pick a random question and I will give you the answer to it. Okay, so Mark is the wheelchair guy. What color mm-hmm. was Mark's shirt and what was the number on that shirt? 81. Oh. Blue. Nathan got the number correct. Mm-hmm. John, color? It was red. It was red. Shit. That was a, you guys came together on that. <laughs> you held hands. You forgot about your prejudice for a second. You know, I have to hide a team. the emotional quiver from my voice. Do you want to know why I remembered the number? How, why? Because I remember looking at it and saying, hey, this movie was made in 81. Oh. Hey, yeah. Nate, what is Paul's last name? Paul's last name? Klefsky? Klefsky? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> hmm. Close. It's, it's Holt. It's mm-hmm. Paul Holt. Now, there is a famous cartoon character on Terry's shirt when we first see her. Ooh, John, you're taking this deep. What is that cartoon character? Woody Woodpecker. It's Mickey Mouse. Okay. Oh, the Woody Woodpecker would have been nice. Though. It would have been nice. Yeah. Can, can I throw a softball to Nate? Yeah. A very easy one. He needs one. <laughs> when we first meet Jenny, she is pulling up to camp in her car. What type of car and what color is it? I believe the car is red. I believe it is a convertible VW Bug. There you go. There we go. That's there we go. Note. That was nice. Oh. That was really nice of you to kind Thank of lob God. that in there. Thank God. <clears throat> and it doesn't work very well. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's a little tropey. <laughs> little tropey. A little bit. We kind of gave one to Nathan there. Should we just go ahead and step right into this walkthrough? Unless, Nathan, you have anything else you want to add? Anybody got some final words, any thoughts on the film itself before we jump right in there? No, the faster we get to the end of this, the faster we can stop talking about it. Did, so. did we ever figure out the name of the camp? <laughs> oh. I don't think we did. Because there is a pennant in Paul's office that says Pakanak. So I'm assuming that this is Camp Pakanak. Oh, man. But I don't believe they ever said the name of the camp. No, they definitely don't ever say it. But that's good. We're going to have to bring you back because uh, I like your eye for detail. Legend has it that Jason saw his mother beheaded that night. And he took his revenge. A revenge that he'll continue to seek if anyone ever enters his wilderness again. 
by now, I guess you all know, we're the first to return here. Five years. Five long years he's been dormant. And he's hungry. Jason's out there. Watching. Always on the prowl for intruders. Waiting to kill. Waiting to devour. Thirsty for young blood. Let's get him. Right into the beginning of this movie. Do it. By the beginning of this movie, do you mean the final 20 minutes of the previous movie? <laughs> yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I mean. Why? So much. They gave you so much. They couldn't have just chopped that down a little bit? Alice, the only survivor from the original, living by herself, having nightmares mm-hmm. of exactly the last 20 minutes of the previous film, wakes up, gets into an argument with her mom, and then she hears some noises. Yeah. Alice, she goes into her bedroom, she gets undressed, she goes into the shower, and then she, like, tears the shower curtain open and looks out all surprised, and then... And then the phone rings. And then the phone rings. Yeah, that's when she gets in the conversation with her mom. But shouldn't that have Uh been... No, she got in the conversation with her mom first. That's right. Goes into the shower, tears open the shower curtain, the phone rings again, and nobody's there. There's no one there. But shouldn't that... That phone should have rang before she opened the shower, right? It... Should have. Otherwise, she's just opening the shower just to give us a shot of her opening. Like, that didn't make any sense to me. I'm going to put that with audio error. Nate, your thoughts? Nate doesn't remember Um, the scene at all. This whole opening scene is leading towards a trope of massive proportions in the kitchen. And um, I enjoy the death, but I, you know, the cat part was pretty tropey. Pretty heavy with trope. You didn't like the the cat just being thrown through the window? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and then everyone in the theater jumps. Oh, God. Oh, mm-hmm. Friday the 13th Part 2. Oh, yeah. oh, this is so exciting. And then, and then, oh, oh, and I love that she just has a random ice pick just laying there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what is it like? It's got the handle half on the dish drying tray and just kind of, you know, just yeah. this perfect weapon of death. And she holds it to like swipe with like you would a knife, which is not the way you use an ice pick. What are you saying, That's, Johnson? I, I'm just curious. Is when she opens up the fridge and sees uh, Jason's mom's head there, what, how did that happen? Is Jason just carrying around his mom's head? Well, yeah, while she was in the shower, he was, you know, putting a head in the fridge. Exactly. He can't well, carry that thing around too long. Oh, never mind. I mean, you well, don't want it to smell. It all the, no, he carried it's, it. It's mummified. It's fine. He carried it all the way from the lake. That's right, he did. In his hand. And he's got tears draining down his deformed cheeks. One tear, now, like, like soaking a wet mom. patch on the bag over his head. Now, after this you whole incident, how far mommy. away from Hope, New Jersey, did Alice move? Because it seems like she's still within walking distance. Oh, yeah. She got a, she got a duplex, like, right next to Camp <laughs> Crystal Lake. <laughs> no, he just hitchhiked. He hitchhiked. <laughs> he, had, he had his mom's head in, inside of a bag. <laughs> And he just kept it. So thank you for the ride. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, just kinda like, What's in the bag? Nothing. And then he kills then he kills the driver after he gets to where he's going. Oh, they should have had that scene. Just him not even trying to hide it, just machete in hand, bag overhead, head in hand, <laughs> and some guy just stops. Hey. They should have had him a scene where he was just like somebody was dropping him off. 
Well, here you go. You just want to be let off by the road? And then... (laughs) 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 Then he dies, right? And then then his perfect boots, you know, just... His boots that he just bought at the shoe store will like land on the pavement and start walking. Mm-hmm. Anybody else notice how, how pristine his boots were? They were nice there at the beginning, yeah. He's they been, look like they were in good shape. He's been walking around in the city. Walking around in a lot of puddles. People. You could argue that he steals them from the people that he kills, but he's a pretty big boy, so he just steals he kills mostly women. So yeah, just walking so around stealing and, their pumps in high heels and uh, short shorts. I know, but that's how they would that that's how they would evade that question is they would say, Oh, well he just stole the boots from one of his victims. Oh yeah. From the, hitch, oh, okay. from the guy that he drove with. That's yeah, that now, him, yeah. now I'm wa- I'm picturing Jason Voorhees walking around in a Mickey Mouse half t shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's terrible. Mommy. <laughs> Mommy. <laughs> so Alice sees Voorhees mom's head in the fridge. She screams boom. Gets grabbed by Jason, ice pick into the temple. Right. Just slides right in there. Yep. No force required. None. Just like sticking a screwdriver into a plate of jello. Mm hmm. Could have been a metaphor for her having mush for brains. You know, take this down a little bit deeper. Or he's just a strong motherfucker. Or he's extremely strong. He's supernatural, baby. That's why his boots look good. He wakes up every morning and they're back to the way they were. Well, we don't. We're not sure if he's supernatural yet. Well, he's got Groundhog Day syndrome. I mean, he does obviously have a lot of time on his hands, right? So no, he's, he, he spent, thinks. Wait, he spent wait, he five think- years polishing boots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck off. He's no. He <laughs> thinks he's he thinks he's in a Groundhog Day scenario, but he's not. He wakes up every day and like, oh shit, I have to kill people again. Oh yeah, every day is a new day for killing. Yeah. Yeah. Could very well be. All right. But that completes. Everybody looks the same to him. That completes our cold open. We get the nice Friday the 13th thing zooming in. We expect it to break the glass, but what does it do instead? It blows up. It blows up. This is the sequel. I mean, I was expecting blood to drip down or something like that, but no, there's a full-on explosion. Yes, explosions. And we have seen zero explosions <laughs> so far. That's why it was so shocking. How good of them to use something we'd never seen before. And won't see again. <laughs> That's right. I don't think Jason's a big fan of explosions. He's, he likes to get really intimate. Yeah. Are we really talking about the lettering? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what we're talking about, Nathan. That's what we were Keep talking about. Going. I think we're done with it now. Move yeah, we, on. We were, we were moving on. Now you've made us stop. Now I feel like we I'm have sorry. to go back I would and like to apologize on behalf of everyone on this podcast right now to the audience for how lame this last few minutes has been. Let's keep going. Well, that's getting edited out. Yeah, 35, 49. (laughs) (laughs) All right, the actual beginning of the movie, Jeffrey and Sandra arrive in town, park their truck on the side of the road, and run off to the phone booth to call their buddy Ted. And Sandra goes frolicking off to the phone booth, titties bouncing because there is no bra. No bras in the 80s. And immediately as the car, as the truck is parked... A tow truck comes up and starts towing the truck. Instantly. Instantly. No ticket. No, hey, whose truck is this? Can someone move it? Mm-mm. Just immediate tow. These are not friendly folk. Nope. I was, to be honest, I didn't notice at first either. I was too busy staring at Sandra's tits. Well, Amen. I think it's the first big tits to enter into they any of these nice. movies yet. They looked very nice. 
And but she looked twelve, right? She looked twelve yeah. years old. Yeah, but yeah, but there was, there was, was something about good. her. <laughs> there was something about her. I was I was kind of hoping that she wasn't going to get killed, but, and that there was going to be a sex scene involved with her. And there, um, there was, and there, but it yeah. wasn't the one we wanted. And so we have a twelve-year-old with huge and like tits and an afro else, that recently fell down. Yeah, and like everything else in this movie, it was disappointing. Oh no! Don't and in the so phone hard. booth makes the appearance again of Crazy Ralph. That's right, Crazy Ralph. He's back. You're all doomed. <laughs> I told them before. Nobody believed me. You're doomed. You're doomed. <laughs> doomed. Crazy Ralph, who's married, by the way. Crazy. Yeah, I just right. want to throw that again. Yes. Doomed. His wife is constantly worried about his whereabouts. Mrs. Crazy Ralph. That's the real reason. His marriage is doomed. <laughs> Is she like crazy Susan or something? Or is she just regular Susan? She's just Susan. Yeah. She's out at a different camp running around giving warnings. <laughs> but at least she has the wherewithal to continuously call the police wondering where her husband is. Yes. All they get is a call that just says, he's doomed. And they're like, Susan? <laughs> get to see his, his bike in this one, too. And they have the trusty crazy Ralph bike. <clears throat> and then they finally notice that their truck is being towed. towed. They chase after it. You think it's going to be like a creepy moment, like they're in a new town and they're getting taken advantage of. Right. But it's just goofy old Teddy. And Crazy Max, the owner of the Exxon gas station. Yeah, Crazy Max is <laughs> all about playing tricks on the new kids in town. In God's country. <laughs> That's right. That's what Ted says. Is God Welcome to God's country. <laughs> hey, asshole. That's my truck. <laughs> So Jeff, being new in town, is calling people in God's country assholes. That's, the, that's, the, that's how you get your truck back, though. Yeah. You're going to want to just really aggressively yell at the man who's taking it away from you and then insult him. Of course. How do you guys remember all the names of these pointless characters? We, <laughs> we watch with subtitles on. Okay. Yep. Okay. They all hop in the truck. They start driving. They uh, Let's see. Ted tells a joke about a bear wiping his ass with a bunny. Mm -hmm. And then they're stopped in the road because of the log that's mysteriously there. Sandra has no idea how a log could be on a road in the middle of the woods. It's like, how did this happen? Right? They well, go out. you have trees everywhere. Mm -hmm. And she mentions how spooky it is out there. And then while the two guys are taking that tree trunk out of the road... She's like, it's so scary. And then she goes off wandering by herself into the woods. Right. What's, and what's, she doesn't say scary. She says, it's spooky. That's yeah, right. It's spooky. So spooky out here. And immediately she's drawn towards the blood-soaked sign of Camp Crystal Lack. Yep. Because the I didn't E see has worn off. It. I, don't, I don't see any blood on there it. There was no blood. They said that there was blood. But no blood on the sign. Mm-hmm. Well, let's stop referring to it as a blood-soaked sign because it didn't have any blood on it. <laughs> now he's a stickler for details. Now, now you pay attention. No, I hate the whole camp blood thing. If you listen to our previous conversations, well, now it like, seems more legitimately like... called camp blood, right? No, it still doesn't. But there was like ten people killed there. No, it was called camp blood before all that happened. Right? So it can't like it can't earn its name after it's been given the name. It has to earn it and be given it at the same time. No, it's like <laughs> it's like the camp grew into its name. It's like the camp grew into its name. It's it's like Jonathan being prejudiced and ignorant. He earned these titles. He no. didn't get called them as a small child and then grow up to be prejudiced and ignorant. No, I, I actually was called pregnant, uh, prejudiced and ignorant as a child and just decided to go with it. Yeah. He just caved and said, fine, is that what you want? And now he's grown into it. Good try, though, Nate. 
<laughs> like, pic- I just pictured him outside in in a, in a rainstorm, <laughs> clenched fists on his knees. Is this what you want? <laughs> I'll give it to you. <laughs> Damn Canadians. That's it. Fine. Jonathan's father is Canadian. That's the, that's the twist <laughs> of this backstory. <laughs> yeah. One day he finds out. No, uh, no, son. I was born in Canada. Yeah, re- what? Repeatedly beaten <laughs> no. with hockey sticks as a child, for- <laughs> yeah. forced to eat beaver tails. All, All right. right. Yeah. So from Sandra's notice of the plank, we cut straight over to Paul gathering all the counselors together. He's getting ready to give them a big uh, orientation speech. Welcome to the nameless camp. Yep. And we have the introduction of majority of the characters. We have Terry. Terry, our uh, our beautiful little nymphette. And let's see, Terry is sitting next to Vicky. Apparently they worked upstate together. Mm-hmm. Vicky has the hots for dudes in wheelchairs. Right. We have Scott, who recently hit Terry in the ass with a slingshot. That's right. He likes to hit girls in the ass with slingshots. <laughs> uh, let's see. We have Mark, who is also known as Scooter. <laughs> <laughs> I like calling him Wheels. Wheels. And then we have Ginny, who shows up late in her VW bug. There you go. Yeah, you nailed it. God, this is like this is like actually this is like having an actual co-host. <laughs> and of course, as Ginny shows up late, we have Paul pulling her aside, reprimanding her for being late. She promises never, ever, ever to be late again for the rest of her entire life. Then she uses some, <laughs> the rest, yeah, that's it. Then uses some sort of twisted child psychology on Paul to get him to fix her car. Yes, this is where she reveals that she's into child psychology we're not sure if she does it as like a career or if it's just a favorite hobby of hers i believe paul says she's studying it in school okay there we go she's on her way to becoming a child psychologist this will play a big part later nathan are you paying attention um i'm sort of paying attention i want to say something okay yeah hop in that uh, i called it after this scene between her and Paul, I called it. What'd you call? I said, she's the one that's going to live the longest. Oh, what what tipped it off to you? Uh, instinct. Oh. Expertise. Have you seen three horror films and now you're, <laughs> now you're running off instinct? <laughs> I could just tell that there was more depth to her and she was the ugliest of the women. So kind of triggered a few... <laughs> Well, because she's the ugliest of the women, obviously she won't be involved in a sex scene of any type, so... She has a special skill. They went out of the way to explain the special skill. They gave her more depth than the other two girls. The other girls just pranced around. One with pretty big, you know, generous a generous helping of of breast without bra. And the other one with a a not-so-generous helping of shirt. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So... And then the third with the hots for Scooter. Like, if, yeah. if, if she raised her hands up in the air to reach for something on the top of a shelf, you would see both of her breasts. Like, that's that's how small the shirt was. Mm-hmm. So. That was a nice shirt, yeah. Yeah, and the other one's got a, you know. I think that was Johnny Depp's shirt from A Nightmare on Elm Street. No, don't bring Glenn Lance into this. <laughs> don't bring Glenn into this. <laughs> yeah, we can't spend more time on Glenn. Glenn, Nathan has a no, really uh, odd obsession with Glenn Lance, which is Johnny Depp's just, character from the original Nightmare. It's just rude. Hell of a waterbed. It's just rude to bring up Glenn, okay? And associate him with a movie of this caliber. (laughs) (laughs) 
So And the other girl is what? She's, you know, she likes guys in wheelchairs, so there's nothing that interesting about her. And comes on strong. Super strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She likes the sympathy. Hey she Scooter, the, your oh, dick still okay? work? <laughs> can I can I take care of you? I want to take care of you. And let's see. I can take care of you, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. It is possible. Let's see. After the intro of the characters, mm-hmm. Ginny shows up late. We've established that the phones aren't working yet. That's right, phones aren't working yet. Which is established twice, I think. Trope. Just yep. Just and, to let you know. And then isolation we created rope style. Then we cut to Paul telling the story of Jason Voorhees and his mom around a campfire. Oh yeah, there's yeah, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, we learn a like lot a about Jason. Tale. Here. Spooky tale. Yeah, you. This is where they get to really give you an idea of how much time has passed, right? Like it, it's now enough time has passed since the incident for there to be like a folklore tale. That's right. Though, I, I guess so we can let our audience know the amount of time it takes for something to actually occur and then become folklore legend is five years. Five that's years. Standard, that's all standard it takes. time. Five years. <laughs> yep. Something happens today. Five years later, it's folklore legend. Yeah. Before then, it's still a news report. Right. Mm-hmm. So we learn from here that Alice was killed two months after surviving the original uh, Camp Blood nightmare. And then it's been five years since then. Mm-hmm. Now we're here. And they're saying that the legend has it that Jason didn't actually drown. That he actually was survived the drowning. And then his mom was seeking revenge. And he just kind of followed his mom around and watched her kill people. That's what they Maybe. say, right? You know, uh, Paul also mentions that the townsfolk thinks that Jason is still in the river, or still in the lake, rather. So, no one knows. Oh, didn't they say they didn't find... He says they didn't find a body in the lake when they went to go look for it. Right. And then now they assume he's running around in the woods like a madman eating animals and... Mm -hmm. No tether to reality, just his the loss of his mother and the vengeance that he feels for her. Right. Am I missing something here? You guys are supposed to be the horror movie connoisseurs. You're supposed to enjoy these things. This is the birth of the Jason legend. This is right Oh, no, here. trust me. I was working right out now. technicalities. I am stoked. This is where they give birth to his, you know, legend or his his history or whatever the hell. This is where this we... This is giving, giving him a... Whatever the reason is, who cares? He's a murdering psychopath, and now he's going to do this for like 10 more movies. Well, the reason's very important. It provides motive for all of his killing. Exactly. Now, can we take a second and go back and think about his appearance in the original movie at the very end? Is that just her dreaming and freaking out? Because if that's actually Jason, who has swum out into the middle of the lake and snuck up behind her. As a small boy. So he's nine there. That means here he can only be 14. Okay, so you have openly admitted that... The first movie is a ripoff of Halloween, and that this movie is a ripoff of a ripoff of Halloween. Yet you're trying to find continuity between the two movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because okay, at least with this with this movie, they have the previous <laughs> right. movie to go off of, and it seems to be that at the end of the first I've, one, it's established that it was a hallucination for Alice. I felt that okay. they firmly decided to move forward with Jason as a character, create you know some sort of monster out of him. And they, uh, you know, did the best they could to connect things with, you know, as little loopholes as possible. Obviously, these people aren't very talented, so it's not going to be that that good of a connection. But you know, they they kind of piece it together. Hey, I'm going to let you they use maybe they use maybe like some gum. They chew some gum and they kind of you know put make it uh, make it fit together. You've gone off the rails here, Nate. 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to let you continue uh, defending my position for me. Thank you very much for that. But all of this storytelling about the legend of Jason, it's really just a build-up to scare the counselors. Right. Because Teddy comes out with a spear in hand. And, and his Halloween mask. His Halloween spear chucker mask. Yeah. It, but... So his mask reminded me of like the Hills Have Eyes characters, like yeah. old hillbilly, wrinkle skin, sort of like white witch doctor looking. And I wonder if people seeing this originally in the 80s thought that that mask might be the mask that Jason or the killer starts to use. Right. Right. Because we kind of know coming into this with information after the fact that, no, that's nothing. That's just right. there. This is there. That looks nothing like a hockey mask. But I bet people back in the day were like, oh, there it is. That's what he's going to wear. That's his thing. That's why did his they new thing. Think he, why did they think he was going to wear a mask? Because, you know, you're a killer. You need a mask. They had no precedence to say that he was going to wear a mask. But then why would it show up like that? It has to have some sort of point, right? People aren't looking into it like that. You said yourself, this movie, the first movie was directed towards teenage crowds so they could go together as a group and be scared as a group. Right, Teenagers but they're already familiar with Michael 80s. Myers wearing a mask. Okay, well, that's the first connection to a mask I've heard in this conversation that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, like, this is a total ripoff of Halloween. I wonder if he's going to wear a mask, too. Like, that that line of thought. Yeah, that makes more sense. However, it's still, there's no real reason for that thought process to happen when the ginger drops down with his ripped body <laughs> and is wearing some sort of odd costume yeah so he jumps out scares everyone and then we get a warning a stern warning from uh what is it the counselor of counselors king counselor paul paul that camp crystal lake is off limits so we have jenny and paul making out in a cabin we have the camera panning around like it's jason but the camera pans up to see crazy ralph ralph bites it ralph bites the dust ralph yeah ralph is uh I think Ralph is the first one to bite the dust, right? Ralph is the first so, one to die. He was spying on Ginny and Paul. And I was then so he happy. Is strangled was, from behind the tree. Right. I was so happy when that happened. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. Because at first I was upset, right? I was like, oh, crazy Ralph, will you fuck off? Stop will hiding you, in people's pantries. Yeah, stop mm-hmm. creeping around everybody with your goddamn bike and acting like a weirdo. And then uh, 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 I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kill that bastard, right? Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah, Crazy Jason, guy's gone. Jason was smarter than his mom in that regard. He's oh, like, yeah. Gotta now he can't, get this guy yeah, running no. around warning everybody all the yeah, time. He can't, he can't warn anybody anymore. Nobody's Nobody knows they're doomed anymore. But now the incessant phone calls from Mrs. Crazy Ralph to all the police officers. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen my husband. Haven't seen my husband. Yeah. She's like, something's wrong. He does, it doesn't feel like he's hiding in a pantry somewhere. Something's wrong. <laughs> but he gets the barbed wire to the neck. Yeah. Not just strangled, but like super strangled. Honestly, I think this one is the candidate for the best kill of this movie because all the kills are pretty basic and lame. No, not my favorite. Not my favorite. We'll get to my favorite later. But um, so from there, Crazy Ralph. I like, to, I like to jump into the future and like ruin the rest of the movie in the middle of the walkthrough, Jonathan, just oh. so that you're aware. Okay, that may happen. It's mm-hmm. already because he, he has times. no idea the actual chronology of the film. It's just a swirl of colors uh, until we come <laughs> in and sort of put up a scaffolding uh, for him to attach himself to. So Crazy Ralph dies, <laughs> and then it's the next day, 
where Jeff and Sandra are, well, they're all swimming in the lake and Ted tells some really shitty jokes. Sandra convinces Jeff to run off to Camp Crystal Lake. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep, time to go. And he's like, no, I don't. Let's just hang out here. Swim in. Oh, come on, you chicken shit. Oh, you got big boobs. Okay. Yep. She calls him a chicken shit. They take off into the woods. And in the woods, they see a dog that's just been destroyed. (laughs) Just destroyed. Just brutally murdered. That's right. They don't, it, re- they don't refer to it as a dog. They just say it's a dead animal. It's a, yeah, it looks like a dead creature. Right? You're right. But we recognize it as the audience as looking very much like Terry's little dog, Muffin, who we saw earlier in the cabin. Right. Who Scott dances around with. That's yeah. Right. That was weird. You maybe recognize it as Muffin. I recognized it as a lump of hair and blood. <laughs> yeah. I saw teeth. There was this, uh, some definite teeth in there. The teeth, mm. that, little dogs, that little dog face that, that they mm. make, that little like pullback lip. Yeah. And so right as they step over the no trespassing barbed wire into Camp Crystal Lake, the it's entire... F- one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yep. Now, the entire time, of course, in the woods, they are being viewed by somebody who we assume is Jason, right? Swaycam Sway with cam. hand? Is it Swaycam with hand or is it hand just and feet. Sway cam? Hand oh, and feet. Okay. Is this legs, legs cam? Uh, we see foot cam. Foot we cam plus hand cam. Plus hand cam. Got it. Right? Very effective. Very and effective. so immediately after stepping over the barbed wire, they are stopped by... Oh, Deputy Winslow. Deputy the Winslow. The Oscar-winning performance of Deputy Winslow. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's out there. So he's just out there. That's just where he spends his day, apparently. He's just walking around nope. Camp Blood all day long hey, looking for trespassers. you kids. You shouldn't be down here. Right. What are you doing down There's here? no reason kids. for him to be out there. Because he gets them the second they step over that barbed wire. Yep. Hmm. Yep. It's like he's out there just waiting for kids to cross that trespassing line. Mm-hmm. I'm so sick and tired of kids doing this. I'm just going to sit here and do a stakeout. It's like, I'm up here all day jerking off in these cabins. <laughs> I got my Twinkies. I'm just going to chow down here. I got my Twinkies, my Tim Hortons coffee. I'm having a good time. Mm-hmm. This guy is not Canadian, okay? Don't you ever say that again. It's close <laughs> enough to the border. We're in New Jersey. No. <laughs> Fuck. Forget you. And so they... Prejudice. Uh, they being Jeff and Sandra are dragged back to Racist. Paul's office but, yeah to get what deputy winslow <laughs> hopes is a, a stern yeah. punishment and you know to be fair i believe it is no second helpings on dessert for those two mm. <laughs> and that upsets deputy winslow something fierce absolutely he thinks they should be reprimanded so that means that he's got some sort of like background beef with camp owner Paul then. Because they kind of like treat each other right off the bat as if there's something underlying the relationship. Right. Now, Winslow has heard stories about Paul and his great reputation and mentions that, but is rather disappointed when their punishment is no second helpings of dessert. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Deputy Winslow has been hanging around Camp Blood so long that now he <laughs> thinks that anytime teenagers do something wrong, you need to kill them. <laughs> rather appropriate though just yeah. stares at the blood in the inside of those empty cabins all day and he's like you know what i think i get it yeah i understand <laughs> he's just he's just frustrated he's frustrated by all the death and he wishes these kids would just stop coming up here because it causes nothing but problems crazy ralph was right and he hasn't been seen for days there's something wrong they're doomed they're doomed 
And by days, you mean one day. Like, this is, like, 12 hours, maybe, after Ralph has died. Mm-hmm. Good to note, though, this is also Friday the 13th. Also, another full moon night is coming up. Well, this was all, this movie was also made a year later, and it has, takes place five years after. So, mm-hmm. I mean, hey, hey. There's, there's issues with time all over the place, isn't there, John? <laughs> I suppose that's fair. Now, Deputy Winslow is driving <laughs> away from the camp, and he sees... A man with a bag over his head jumped the road and disappeared into the woods. He stops his car, takes off in just a very tempered pursuit. Yeah, Deputy Winslow needs to up his cardio a little bit. He's uh stops four mm-hmm. or five times to take a breather. No, 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 no. He doesn't need to do anything. He's in he's in great shape. When he finally gets to Jason's house, he doesn't breathe heavy at all. Oh, that is true. I noticed that as well. He no, stops no and he's sweat, just like no breathing. perfectly calm, perfectly at ease, just hmm, evaluating this strange shack. Even though a second ago he could he could barely dodge full-size trees. Right, and he gets to that little, uh, I don't know if it's a tiny pool or just a huge puddle with the rock in the middle, right? <laughs> yeah. Stops, puts his hands on his knees. For one second, like, stops one beat, takes one <sighs> breath, and f- continues on full sprint. Mm-hmm. Very gracefully, like, tips over that rock, too. Like yeah. a little ballerina for a second, then back to lumbering, he- hefty man in the yeah. woods. Whereas Jason doesn't care about his boots getting wet. Deputy Winslow, no water on those boots. Oh, no. I ain't hey, shining these the shoes. Point? What is the point of that scene? Of him jumping the little puddle? Yeah. It's, it's to establish the puddle as a marker of being close to Jason's shack. Yep. Mm. Um, so in the shack he uh deputy winslow is checking around doesn't see anything opens up the pantry doesn't see anything sees apparently what's a working toilet with a lizard on it yeah and it looks like it doesn't look great but it looks way better than i was expecting right i just expected like a pile of diuretic shit (laughs) just smeared (laughs) all over this little room but it was like just a toilet with a hose in it yeah i just imagine he had dug a hole in the ground right but no there's a toilet there he's got a very efficient filtration system right outside of that dilapidated (laughs) shack he opens the door he doesn't like bad water no no bad water. jason does not like bad water so deputy winslow opens up the door to a room where we don't get to see the inside of the room but something shocking is in something there. shocking is in there and apparently deputy winslow is not great at checking out this cabin because we see a hand with the claw side of a hammer come down on his head mm-hmm. so he must mm-hmm. have missed a room somewhere actually this 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 kill isn't bad i don't mind this kill i like this kill too yeah, it's not bad hammer claw on the back of the skull is pretty pretty brutal especially yeah. when you hear that yeah right yeah, actually, I think this one is, is my is my pick, I think. Yeah. I'm going to go with this one. Still not mine. We'll get to mine. <laughs> uh, so, I'm counting Deputy Winslow as victim number three because victim number two, I'm counting the animal nope. that I assume is Muffin. Nope, we already agreed, Dale and I, on the last uh, podcast, we weren't going to count no animals. animal deaths. No. Okay. We thought we thought about leaving it in the snake, and then we decided against it. Okay. So. Yeah. Like, would you actually? Let's get John's opinion. John, would you count a snake death as a death? Uh, the snake death, no. However, when I was watching this, Muffin has a name, so I was counting it because I assumed that that was actually Muffin, dead mm-hmm. in the woods. And if since can, they named if it, if you if you can confirm that it is in fact Muffin then I would say you have an argument for it to be claimed as a death. Uh, I, I saw Because I, I like, I like the fact that it is using his name. knowledge of the end of the movie to counter-argue. Right. 
So at this point, I believe this dead animal to be Muffin. So I have counted that as victim number two. Mm-hmm. We'll put that put that on on the side with an asterisk on it. I don't want that tearing up our numbers. Right. So we have everyone eating dinner outside. Paul says that everyone can go off to town. And yeah, he's offering everyone night one last town. night out on the town, except for Jeff and Sandra because of their punishment of rubbing of running off to Camp Crystal Lake. That's right. If only Deputy Winslow could have seen this moment. If only. He might still be alive and happy knowing that these teenagers got the punishment they deserve. <sighs> Rest in peace, Deputy. <laughs> so after the dinner, we now have everyone splitting off into their groups. We have Mark and Vicky pairing up. We have Terry and Scott pairing up. And of course, Jeff and Sandra pairing up. That's right. Three couples stay behind. It's yep. time for some sex. Well, oh, yeah. four couples if you want to count Paul and... No, Paul and Jenny went out. Yeah, Paul they went out, and... but they, they come back eventually. But we we brought this up earlier when we were watching it. This is kind of a weird reversal because usually the people that want to go out and party and do the bad thing, usually they're the ones that get knocked off while all the goody-goodies are safe back at home. But this time the goody-goodies get it. Well, the goody-goodies weren't so goody-goody. No, that's true. I mean, they're the ones that stay behind, the boring ones. Right. Can Alcohol bring saves lives. What you got there, Nathan? Okay, you know there's always a trope, or there's a supposed trope, that the black guy is the first one to get it? Mm-hmm. This black guy just fucking disappears. Yeah, there was... I did see one black character who never got a name or any lines. Right. Yeah, here. and he was hanging out with them at first, and they all went to go have a party, and then he just disappears. That is true. He's you don't see him out. at the party. You don't see him at camp. Like this is uber. This is this is uber racist. Uber. You don't even kill him. He just vanishes. Don't give. That's don't terrible. give him anything. Nothing. No name. No screen time. Just poof. They're just <gasps> tired of paying him as an extra. I think I saw God, the back of his. So <laughs> I think I saw the back of his arms when they were walking through the woods, and Paul was like, "Don't watch out for the poison ivy." Right. I think that's the only place I remember seeing that black guy. I'm saying that I don't think that this trope exists. I think that there's probably a couple movies out there where it happened, and everybody just assumes that that's tropey. But I don't think it is the trope that everyone makes it up to be. Mm-hmm. Well, you do find out how much more infrequent these tropes are when you get into the the deep and dirty of looking at them one at a time. I'm going to be a trope specialist. That's good. That's what we need here. You can at least be a give you a chance to specialize specialist. in something. <laughs> yep. So from here, we see Terry running off to the lake, stripping off her clothes, and going for a swim. Oh, yeah. Finally, some full frontal nudity. Full frontal nudity. And full backle. Backle? <laughs> Is that right? Full posterior nudity. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Bush. In yeah. other words, we get some Bush. Get some Bush in this movie. I've been waiting for Bush. This is the only reason why horror movies should be appreciated. Because girls just go and randomly take off their clothes for no reason. Well, she had a reason. She wanted to go swimming. She didn't want her clothes to yeah, get wet. Yeah, but in a regular movie, they wouldn't have gone skinny dipping. They would have just gone down to their underwear or whatever well we've already established there's not really much underwear to go around in the 80s right i'm just saying that the only reason why she does go go full frontal nudity is because it's a horror movie 
Mm-hmm. Could you tell she was a little nervous about showing her bush too? She kind of like yeah. held her hands down by her crotch as she right. went in the water. It's like you're by yourself. Yeah. Did you tell that when she took off her clothes, her hair was dry, and then before she went into the water, her hair was wet? Ooh, was it? Ooh, ooh nice. Coming out with the, paying attention. I like that. So they had to do a so, double take and just hoped you looked over it. Well, apparently you guys were staring at her body and not at her hair. Yep. Actually, weird, there. weirdly enough, I was also thinking about you. I was like, yay, something for Nathan. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. Daniel sees a naked woman and immediately thinks of Nate. Yeah. Well, at least now I do. God damn it. <laughs> and let's see. From there, we have Terry swimming naked. You have no in shame. You have no shame. You have no allegiance. You just... You just throw it in everyone's face, don't you? <laughs> he's, a, he's a maverick. We have Terry skinny dipping in a lake, and we have the camera sway cam around, mm-hmm. and we see the... She's being watched. We see that she's being watched. We see the sway cam with a hand stealing her clothes. Hand cam? Hand cam. And, oh, it's Scott. Mmm, Scott, you fucking Scott. weirdo. This is This is the second time they've tricked you with the hand cam. And both yeah. times it was Scott. Both times it was Scott. Oh, well, no, there was one time it was Ralph. Can we call oh, him pervert? Okay. Yeah. Can we call him pervert Scott? Scott's, yes. kind of, Scott's kind of rapey. I mean, he's pretty you, bold. You go pretty from bold. hitting her in the ass with a slingshot to now stealing her clothes. We haven't seen uh, Terry coming onto Scott at all. No, and neither one yeah, of them is cute. Well, he he danced with her dog. walk around with, yeah. his, with, his, you know, with his Johnson just saluting yeah i mean pretty much the entire movie he's doing the helicopter penis in her face hoping that that she falls for it and no yeah scott's not that far helicopter penis you ever do that yeah he's swinging around helicopter little propeller (laughs) for some reason it made me think of street fighter 2 um (laughs) (laughs) hundred penis slaps <sighs> would it, he, yeah, but Scott's not that far off from just running naked into the water after her, right? And then play, play, play wrestling with her in the water and her, pushing her head under just a little bit too long and then laughing, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, Scott's kind of rapey, but he's stolen her clothes. Stolen her clothes uh, is nice enough to give her her uh, track pants back. That's right, so that she can cover up the eighties bush. Can uh, keeps the shirt and runs into the woods. Yeah, and she didn't care too much. Yeah, she she's she's kind of digging it she's following him saying that she's gonna get him mm-hmm. you oh, know you stole my clothes i'm gonna get you yep and, and then, then he steps into a trap steps into one of ted's survival traps is that what that is yeah i guess ted's just been putting these traps all over the place i did not pick up that was ted's i thought it was just a random trap in the woods yeah he gets pulled up in it and then he's upside down he's like god damn it ted and his survivalist bullshit oh Oh. Another survivalist mention, which we also had from Nancy in the original Nightmare. Good catch. Good oh. catch. I, I thought this was Jason's trap. <laughs> <laughs> He's out there with his mangled head. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> Delicately setting up a tripwire. And... His human, human traps everywhere. <laughs> Digging a big pit with spikes at the bottom. <laughs> covering mommy. it with leaves. <laughs> it's all for you, mommy. <laughs> wearing her sweater the entire time mm-hmm. and so now she's in control now uh terry's in control now terry's in control motherfucker i'm gonna go take my time looking for a knife to cut you down right which is what she goes off and does and she runs back to the cabin notices there's no electricity oh right uh doesn't check out why there's no electricity which is absolutely hilarious when we come back to it but there's no electricity 
returns back to Scott with a tiny, tiny Swiss Army knife. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, Scott has been approached, right? Yes. Scott has been approached, and we see a hand and combat boot slit his throat with a machete. So machete kill number one. There we go. Machete kill comes in, slits his throat. Looks like the exact same makeup job from the original. Right. When Annie gets her throat slit. Boring death. Terry finds him. Terry finds him. Screams. She runs <gasps> off. Freaks out. Runs off. Scream! We assume right into Jason's chest, who's just standing. Or he's just standing there, it looks like. Right? She, she, mm. she gets confronted before it blacks out. Mm. I believe so. I actually missed that. I, I didn't notice that Terry was confronted by anybody. Yeah, I, th- I think she when she runs off after seeing that Ted's uh, not Ted after that Scott's dead, um, she like stops because she notices somebody and screams, and then it blacks out and goes back to the bar. Okay. Okay. I think John, I think you and I were waiting for Nate to kind of see which one of us was right, but no, I don't. That, no, that didn't happen. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't remember how she died. How did she die? She dies off screen. Yeah. Oh, how lame. It's a horror movie. Right. Why would you kill someone off screen? Oh, well, we'll, 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 That's we'll, your bread and butter. We'll get to why some of these be. deaths had to be off screen. We have Ted staring through empty beer bottles at the bartender slash waitress. Yeah, he has a lot of empty beer bottles. A there. lot of empty beer bottles. The guy weighs a buck twenty, and he's not slurring a bit. No, that so dude can take a drink. He can. It's the Irish ginger in him. Yes. He can, he can drink a lot. And then from there, we have a somewhat heated discussion between Paul and Jenny, uh, where she brings up Jason and the child psychology aspect of it. Oh, yeah. Just further pushing. Like, it's not even foreshadowing, because foreshadowing is supposed to be subtle, right? This is just pushing it down our throats. Oh, yeah. I I thought of Nathan again during this scene, because she was making a lot of assumptions. Yeah. And that's what Nathan always slams me for doing all the time. She is just laying a backstory all over this guy. She's just, no, she's not making assumptions. She's just speculating. Mm -hmm. She's saying, what if it's true? And if it is true, then this might be the case. She's speculating. She's not making, you know, ignorant assumptions. She gets. You you make ignorant assumptions. No, no, no. You declare things to be the way they are. Like, this person died, but you don't see them die. So how do you know they actually died? Most that's hostile Canadian well, that's ever come across. That's the, that's a much safer assumption than she she gets all emotional with it. Like he was how like, horrifying, she cares about kids. how horrifying she cares that he about had to kids. see his mother get decapitated. She's, we don't know if whatever. he was there. She's, no, she's entertaining the idea that this could be real. And if it is real, then this guy is really fucked up. Can you imagine if he's actually been out there? Living off the land, killing animals. Like, yeah, imagine if this is if this is real. Then this kid needs our help. Most entertaining needs aspect. Most entertaining aspect of this entire part of Ginny just going off and saying shit that she has no idea anything about. She calls Jason a full-on retard. Yeah, says retard. She goes, he's just a frightened retard. Yeah, it's like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And I thought that mm-hmm. was absolutely hilarious. And okay, but you're now but PC you're, aspect. You're, now you're you're imprinting like present day issues with. Word use, right? Re- retard was legit. From the 80s. Well, I understand, yeah. but I still found it entertaining. That's all I'm saying. It didn't have as negative of a connotation back then as it does now, right? Like redskin. <sighs> okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, like redskin. Thank you. Yeah. No, I get it. 
But she she gets deep into it, exposes all of Jason's backstory, all the nuances of his developing mind or lack of a developing mind. Mm-hmm. They and then Paul and Ted call her out for being ridiculous. Yeah, and Paul just dismisses her as being drunk. Yeah, you're drunk. Yet she's saying all these clinical terms and you're drunk and you're, you're just a woman. Right, you're just a woman. You don't matter. Mm-hmm. It's because he doesn't believe any of it. Well, he, of course. He made, he made jokes around the campfire with Ted. He doesn't care about this story. He has no inkling to think it's true at all. We now go back to, I guess it's called the clubhouse or something where all the counselors congregate. Yeah, like the the biggest cabin that right. has like multiple rooms on it. Yeah, I know what you mean. The clubhouse type yeah. area. Yeah. All right. Yeah, they're in the clubhouse. Uh, Sandra and Jeff, are, they're making out in a chair. And then in the other room, the camera pans over to the other room and it's... Uh, Mark and Mark Vicky, and Vicky. Are, yep. are flirting it up together. Yep. So we have Vicky laying on the innuendo pretty thick. Pretty damn thick. Right. So She asks about how he got paralyzed. He says it was a motorcycle accident. I'm probably going to walk again even though the doctor said no. Uh-huh. And, well, do other parts of you still work? Things, things of that nature. Uh, then... Jeff and Sandra go off to fuck. Right. And he's, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't go like, yeah, it does. He just says like it works well enough. Yeah, he's kind of coy about it, right? Yeah, I, I get the impression that maybe it don't. Maybe <laughs> maybe it just don't. Maybe he hasn't tried it yet. But it's okay because she says, "Really, I just want your fingers." Right. Yeah. So she's she's like, "I just want some part of you I mean, inside of me." We've established he has the strongest arms in the camp. That's true. So, so all of his arm wrestling victories and of course, so scooting himself around in his chair. Oh. Those arms. All I heard was, I'm a slut, I'm next. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they've decided to play video games, either football or what other sport, Nathan? Hockey. <gasps> yep. And the winner gets what? Hockey. <laughs> All right. So the winner of <laughs> their... <laughs> She just wants the one with the puck in it. <laughs> and per Vicky, the winner of the game gets position. Uh-huh. Ooh. What positions does she think she can throw them around in? Right. She just, like, slaps the game down. She's like, I, I want you to fuck me. You're getting that, right? Yeah, it's like <laughs> the only position possible is her on top, right? Yeah. She's like, I want to straddle you and fuck the screws out of your chair. Nice. You know, good for him. Mm-hmm. His life's been hard enough. He's like, really, you just have to kind of just, like, rub it. You just got to grind on it. Yeah. This is actually going to be one of the best things that, that's happened to him since his accident. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're joking about it, but it really is going to be a high point. Or one yeah. of the worst. Like, he always assumed that his dick worked, and now he knows for sure that it doesn't. Right. <laughs> She's jerking at this fleshy nub, and he's like, stop calling me Scooter. I'm sorry. I'll still touch you. She starts... Trying to ride his limp dick and knocks out his catheter. Oh. <laughs> He's like, watch out for my colostomy bag. Oh, oh uh, God. And so Vicky runs away from Mark at this point. She goes to get some supplies because they're going to go. Oh, no, she just runs she, off. She runs off to her cabin to change into her sexy panties. That's right. And this is also where we find out just how truly stupid Terry is because she runs into the same cabin. Vicky does. Tries turning on the lights, says, aw, Terry, and plugs everything back in. 
Yeah, someone just unplugged something. So and Terry has no idea how all these lights don't work. They're unplugged. Mm-hmm. I I found that to be truly a great scene and underrated. We find out just how truly stupid Terry is. So are you done in the kitchen now, Nathan? What were you doing? Were you wrapping foil <laughs> around a roast? <laughs> are you basting a turkey in there? I was trying to open the window because I'm hot. Oh Jesus! <laughs> really hot. <laughs> And I couldn't find the thing to push the window open, and I started to panic. And yeah, So while you were gone, uh, we established that Vicky has gone off to grab some supplies because her and Mark are going to go back to her cabin and get into position. Right. Whichever position that may be. Right. But yeah, she, she's also there to put on her sexy underwear. So she takes off her sexier black underwear and puts on her brown caramel Grandmother's underwear. underwear. Grandmother underwear. And applies perfume, which I don't know if you remember, Paul warned them all about because perfume and menstrual blood attracts bears. Yep. And she sprayed her her menstrual blood. Exactly. So she's she's got a (laughs) terrible, you know, bear-attracting, frothy mess existing down there now. She sprayed perfume onto her menstrual blood pot of honey, welcoming all comers. But there's... You can see how, like... There could be a connection between her, like, doing something that she shouldn't do that attracts bears and instead attracts a killer of a different sort. Uh-huh. And at this moment, the scene changes and it starts thundering and raining yet again at Camp Crystal Lake. That's right. It's time to rain. Rain blood. Rain blood at Camp Blood. <laughs> They're not at Camp Blood. Next to Camp Blood. <laughs> Raining blood next to Camp Blood. They're at Camp... Panaka, Pakanak, and I kind of missed. I kind of missed having Marcy's like recollection of her dreams. I kind of liked having that bring in the rain last time. So the rain starts, and here comes my favorite death. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this one's pretty good. This is my favorite. So Mark comes. uh, Excuse me, Scooter comes wheeling out of the cabin, looking for looking for Vicky. He he hears a noise, so he goes looking for Vicky. Starts rolling around in his red number 81 jersey. Mm-hmm. And... But, but before you get excited, there was a weird shot thing that they were doing with the cameras. Like, they had the slow zoom on the back of his head that made you think Jason was slowly approaching. Right. But then they'd show the camera from the other side. And there's and no there's one there. nothing behind him. And then back to the slow zoom in again. Right. And you're like, what are you guys doing? Right. And then we... After it zooms in on the back of his head and... Goes back to his face. We see the dull end of a machete. The dull side of a machete. (laughs) The back end. The back end being slashed into Scooter's face and held there. All right? Deep. It's deep Deep. in there. It's deep. And the momentum involved pushes Scooter's wheelchair down the stairs. (laughs) A huge flight of stairs. A huge flight of stairs. I don't think we saw. Have we seen that flight of stairs anywhere else? No. I think they stole that from The Exorcist. Yeah. So he rolls down the porch stairs and continues to go down some mystery flight of stairs that we had never seen before and bounces around favorite death by far Mm -hmm. the back the reverse side of the machete the dull side just to show his power just to show how powerful he really is yeah jason shoves the back end of the machete like three inches into this guy's face yeah shoots him down a flight of stairs (laughs) that that is a good death that's that's my favorite I should have known 
that you would be most fondest of the handicapped person getting Oh, no. Killed. No, it's not necessarily the handicap. The fact that he's handicapped, though, that does play a role in it. It's the fact that he shoves the dull end of the machete across his face, and where the handicap plays into it is he rolls down all the stairs. <laughs> all those stairs. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I can tell that that's the part that really uh, amuses you about it. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the it. movie. It really, it really falls in line with... Uh, with your lack of respect for humanity. Yeah, I love it. And the, and the sad thing is, no sex for Mark. Oh, he was just about to get some. He was. I mean, she had her brown panties on and everything. He had to go outside and be all nosy. Yeah. And never investigate dangerous sounds. And the doctors were right. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> true. So after machete death, we Continuous. have... We go she, right upstairs where we hope we're going to get... Wait, where, where, where are you going? No, you're right. We we go upstairs. We hope we're going to get a little bit of nudity. Yeah, we hope. I really wanted some of those tits. Yeah. God. Yeah. All squashed up, covered up, right? Then we see the boot cam and mm-hmm. ankle cam mm-hmm. going into the cabin, the main clubhouse. Walking up the stairs. Walking up. Well, Jason sees the spear chucker spear and mask. Yep. So this is where the mask could come into play. However, all he does is take a look at it and throw it on the steps. Mm-hmm. That's all he does. And takes the, I'm assuming, is a fake Halloween spear. Seems, like, seems pretty real. It, I, seems I like it's got some weight on it. Okay. So he takes this spear upstairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sandra sees it. She's underneath uh, yep. underneath Jeff's body. They're both laying on top of each other, and she it, sees it. Can't get out a scream to save her life. Right. And Literally. Je- Jeff... Seconds before, is just collapsed on top of her. Yeah, he and just some finished. like painful orgasm. It looked like the look on his face. It, I couldn't tell if he had a good time or not. Yeah, I think maybe I he was, was hoping. It. I was just hoping that he wasn't going to kill both of them and that she was going to get up and run around or something. Oh right, yeah. So at least we'd see something. Yeah. Mm. Disappointing. No luck. And it's disappointing. And, and this is the scene that they could not show the actual the gory part of because Jason stabs them both. Through, through both their bodies, through the bed, and to the floor. So they're impaled to the bed. All we get to see is the spear coming out of the bottom of the bed with some blood on it. Mm-hmm. No money yeah. shot. No money shot. No money shot anywhere. No tits, no nudity, no blood. All to avoid an X rating. We cut over. Paul and Ginny are driving back to camp through the uh-huh. rain. Right. Um, then we're shown that you know Vicky has returned, hair quaffed. Mm-hmm. She's ready to go. She's dolled up. Right. Looking good. She's looking Walk, for Mark. Haircloth, though she just walked through the rain to get there. That's right. So, man, the the 80s Aquanet really holds up. Really holds up. Um, she can't find Mark, so she's like, I guess I'll go ask Sandra or Jeff where Mark might be. Right. So she walks up the stairs, opens the door, sees two bodies laying still underneath a sheet. And then, like, she's like, what's going on? She goes to reach for the sheet, and then that's when Jason sits up, stares at her with his cut-out whole eye. Uh-huh. I remember I remember pausing this movie at the part where they go to the, you know, the the bar or whatever they go to. First of all, I remember thinking, oh, man, what a horrible parking job. How the fuck are they supposed to get out? <laughs> those, those, those people that are parked closer to the building, you're just fucking them by parking them. <laughs> First of all, and then I pause the movie, right? And then I see that there's like a half an hour left. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, they got to kill everybody in a half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and then I watch all the deaths and it's just, ah, uh, 
It's just anticlimactic, you know? At least have him, maybe every time he kills somebody, drag the body to a pile of bodies. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you, know? Like, you see him coming out of the woods, dragging the body through his pile. You know? Throw it onto the pile. And they kind of show all their dead faces all flopped on each other. I just use it as building material. He just starts nailing them to the outside of his house. <laughs> using them for insulation. <laughs> Those cold New Jersey winters. But this this scene where Vicky dies, we went and had to go back. We went back and looked at this over over again, <laughs> and we had to time it out because he Jason sits up. She freaks out. He slashes her leg with the machete. Mm-hmm. She backs up against the wall. Oh God! There's Jeff's dead body. She's screaming, and the camera is like placed right next to Jason's knife. So he has a knife in his hand, not a machete. Right, he has a knife in his hand. Yeah, he's got a big knife, and the camera is just next to it, and we're just slowly following the knife towards Vicky as she's screaming until he eventually stabs her. (laughs) And from the moment that he sits up and scrapes her leg to the moment that he actually stabs her, it's 26 seconds (laughs) that she could have done anything in her power to get away. 26 seconds. Of just sitting there watching him come towards her. Man. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't have anything to say about that, Nathan. Uh, well, I just, I felt that this, okay, here's, my, my experience of this movie was that the first hour or so, I was kind of jacked, actually. I was like, wow, this is way better than the first one. The sway cams got more, you know, Jason-related, you know, hands and feet. Like, this is, that. that's better. These girls have, you know. I have a strong desire to see these girls naked. Um, you know, like it just seemed like it seemed like it, it was it was moving to a better place. You know, yeah. And then I gotta say, I, I gotta say it. I I hate that I'm saying this, but I think Pamela is better at killing people than Jason. Oh, oh. I think that the kills in the first Friday the Thirteenth had more. I mean, come on, you got to admit it. They were all. Like, they, they really focused in on the kills and tried to make the kills interesting in the first one. And this one's just, you know, just kill them, whatever. Yeah. I mean, this like one is just, like, machete across the throat. And now I know. find out that they that the one kill that they tried to do well got axed because of a rating issue. And that's that's sad. They should have just... They should have just went forward with the kill. They would have probably made more money. They were probably afraid that they wouldn't be accepted enough but they would have probably raked it in they did they snuck through a picture of the actual still photo of the actual scene and put it on the back of the box oh did they so they snuck that in there but then people must must have been pretty disappointed when they saw the picture and then watched the movie and were like that doesn't happen right yeah i mean nate's got a very good point i think i would take pamela's uh spear through the back of kevin bacon's neck that one's a good one axe to the face right although although when you really think about it she had to send that thing through the mattress oh yeah you know i would would, she 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 could have done some prep work she could have got it through the mattress you know kind of like poked it through uh got it ready ready. and then pulled (laughs) it back and then pulled it back down like holding his holding his forehead down right i would take that kill over because she was she was under there for a while she had a lot of prep time yeah yeah no that one plus the the one where i forget his name but he was you know kind of launched up to the inside of that door with the arrows and yeah there was just a you know a little bit more going on there the that that the axe to the face of that chick like 
This movie had none of that. This He really likes the neck. Jason really likes the neck, apparently. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he just likes the way it just throbs yeah. and it's all nice and smooth. He likes to cut it. And... Well, he's, I mean, he's about efficiency, not creativity. Right. The quickest way to kill these motherfuckers, right? And technically, he's just started, right? As far as we know, these well, are his first murders. Voorhees, yeah, okay. no, his mom right. had you like could, 20 okay, that's, years that's, of practice. I want to I go on record as saying that's a really lame argument, but I, I understand what you're saying. He is new. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's, he's fairly new to the, to the murdering psychopath I mean, as, as far, <laughs> profession. As far as we know, his very first kill was Alice with the ice pick through the temple. That's right. Yeah. That could yeah, have been no, his very first kill. He, he could have broke. Uh, he, he could have been ended. on like PTA boards and you know holding town functions and all sorts You're of reaching. like great stuff You're for reaching. the community before then. You know, no You're criminal reaching. record whatsoever. <laughs> You're reaching, and you're also wrong. The first kill was the uh, hitchhiker that he killed to get to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still convinced he walked there. What about our have to see a body rule? Well, yeah, that's that's oh, very valid. Throw we... it back in my face. Fine. <laughs> uh-huh. Try to make a nice joke, liven up the podcast. What do I get? You make a nice joke at my <laughs> expense and prove me wrong. <laughs> Ass. But after Vicky's death, it's a pretty quick slope to the end of this movie. Because Paul and Jeannie come back. This is where they're looking around for all the... Where the fuck are all the counselors? They go right. upstairs. They see the, the see, bloody sheet. And I want you guys to picture me writhing on the couch watching the end of this movie because... I'm dis- disappointed. Oh, I'm, I'm picturing like, you writhing in pleasure and joy. No, mm-hmm. I'm dissatisfied that this is because I actually, you know what? Even though You're I hate approaching horror orgasm. movies, even though I hate horror movies and I feel like I'm being forced to watch these, I'm kind of actually are. cheering for them to succeed. It's kind of weird. I sit there, I watch the first hour of it, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is way better than the last one. I'm, 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 I'm comparing it to the previous ones. I'm, I'm kind of cheering and hoping that it goes somewhere and does something interesting, and it just fails. And when it fails, it makes me feel like just, just, ugh, just ugh. Like I fucking knew it. Ugh. Like this is so, ugh. You're insulting. making a whole lot of noises over there. <laughs> it's I just insulting, man. It's insulting. These, I think about these audiences just patronizing this movie and giving it money and letting them continue, and they don't have to do a good job to succeed. And this is like at, at the core of why there's a problem with movie production because because people don't have a high enough standard, you know. I will agree with that. Yeah, yeah, that's I, I can go with that. But you guys are cheering for the... You, you appreciate these horror movies and you love them, which means that you're a part of the problem. Now, that just hurt my feelings. I don't I don't really think that was quite necessary. <laughs> yeah. Man, harsh, I mean, that's, man. That's, that's, that's a bit much, don't you think? We're trying to keep this light. Hey, I mean, you just called me you, a hey, piece of shit hey, for appreciating did, slasher did, films. What did I say? I said that... Well, I'm part of the problem. Keep, I was going to keep horror honest. That's what I was going to do. And in order to do that, you've got to keep the people who appreciate it honest as well. I will. I, I'll, I'll be honest right now. Yeah. Not a favorite and of mine. Everyone, this is, the, <laughs> this is the point where you would select me in the poll. Oh, no, no. The polls won't be directly related to this. No, no, no. We'll find <laughs> no. something nice and fair for the poll to be about. Yep. But Paul and Jeannie come back. They notice the bloody sheets. Something's up. Something's wrong. Counselors are gone. Definitely some bad juju going on in this uh, clubhouse right now. They go downstairs. Ginny gets a very intuitive vibe that someone is still in the room. Right. 
And there is. It's Jason. <laughs> yep. And he's got his spear. And he makes a half-hearted attempt to stab Paul and fails. Right. He, he, he starts failing a lot here. For as great and as efficient as he was previously, he becomes a sloppy, sloppy killer in the last 15 minutes of this movie. It is. We get the... Uh, we run into like a similar problem that we had that Nathan and I discussed on some of the Nightmare on Elm Street episodes, which is that when they're still, when they're standing still, or they're mid kill, or they're off camera, they're scary. But as soon as you start seeing the real stuntman or actor under their clothes trying to move around and act like a human being and get into wrestling and tussles and stuff, it looks very terrestrial and then all the fear just kind of seeps out of the room. Right. It's There's no longer any like pent-up tension or anything. It's now, oh, you're being stalked by this person that you could beat up in a street fight. Like, well, I don't understand. That's right. In Friday the 13th, the original, you were wrestling an old woman. Right. Very easy, very easily taken down multiple times. And then here you've got a, just a guy growing up in the woods. He doesn't really have any supernatural strength, at least not yet. Right. And no fighting ability. No fighting ability. Very clumsy. It's got, it's got to be that big head. I mean, if he would just take the bag off his head. Like, why is he self-conscious anyway? Who's he hiding from? Yeah. He must remember from when he was a kid. Maybe. They're like, why don't you go for a swim, freak? It's obvious to me. They're stumbling around like idiots trying to create this character that is legendary to to everyone, right? So when you actually go back and watch how they got to that point, you realize that they really didn't know what they were doing. And they really sucked at copying Halloween. And they really took way too much time to create what we all now know as Jason. Because I read the synopsis of part three. And it even says in the synopsis. Can we finally, not talk about part three? Whoa, what's all this yeah. cheating going on? What is? What are you talking? I just on, want to point we're out on something. Part two, we're actually at the scene where Paul. And, <laughs> we're at the scene where Paul and Jason are tussling on the floor. Tussling, tussling on the floor, and all Jenny cares to do is stand there and just yell out the question, Paul. Paul? Yeah. Paul? Just nothing. Paul, nothing. It doesn't nothing. help. What kind of a synopsis to a movie says we finally get to see a hockey mask? And <laughs> the synopsis so, says that. That's what people are it there says, for. We finally get to see the hockey mask. That's what it says. It's like, oh, okay. So Paul, Paul, she sees Jason get up and immediately locks herself in, in various rooms. She locks herself, that's right. She locks herself in the bathroom. Right. She's like, oh, fuck. I thought Paul was going to survive. Jason survived. Now he's after me. And there's this really tense... She tries to, like, hold the door shut with one hand and also open the, the bathroom window. Right. And then... Boom! And I was looking at my friend, Matt, who was watching me with it, and I said, didn't I call it? Didn't I call it? Look who's still alive. Um, she runs off to a different room. A kitchen. Uh, locks herself in the kitchen. Locks herself in the kitchen. Um, from there, she jumps out a window and runs to... Her red Volkswagen bug. And lo and behold, what happens next? Oh, yeah. This is great. He appears for one second right outside of her window and jiggles the handle and then immediately disappears. Immediately disappears. Of course, the car won't start. And she just is like, oh, okay. Well, he's gone now. Right. (laughs) Right. That's it. (laughs) No need to panic or run anywhere else. (sighs) They troped up that car so much. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That car is like... They made sure you knew it was a piece of shit. Yep. What? Yeah. And they really went to a lot of trouble to make it okay that the car wouldn't start. 
and like a lot of trouble. You know, my thought at, the, at this scene is, so Jason starts tearing through the roof of the car with his pitchfork, right? Yes, right. He knows she's in the driver's seat. Why is he not slamming the pitchfork where the driver's seat is? Right. That's too. That's too rough. He's got to. He's got to make a hole in the passenger seat and then, then stick reach his hand in, in and open the passenger door. Right. He doesn't want to destroy a classic car. I think that's really what the issue is. Okay. And then Jenny musters up all of her strength to do a super kick of the passenger door that knocks Jason Voorhees, what, 10 feet away? Into sends a him flying. Onto his back like a turtle. Right. He's having a real hard time and he can't pulling get back up. up. <laughs> can't get up. And she starts running through the woods. Of course, Jason catches her in the woods, in which case she immediately kicks him in the balls. In the balls, that's right. Kicks him in the balls, runs away. So Jason definitely has... Reproductive organs. Right. And feels pain. Possibly working reproductive organs. Right. All right, yeah. Okay. In this movie. In this movie. Correct. In this movie, sure. For all we know, they could change it up and he won't have a penis in the third one. <laughs> Hockey mask, no penis. He just cuts it off in front of someone to scare them even more. Right. So, Jason- Well, I think the further this series goes, I'm assuming the more picturesque and, you know, slow walking and menacing he becomes. Oh, so. yeah. I looked at a picture of Jason... In part two, and then a picture of him from Jason Goes to Hell. Oh, yeah. We've got a we've got incredible a... transformation coming. Yeah. Right. Um, and I would like to point out that hockey players wear cups. Oh, so po- so you're saying once he get, gets the mask, he probably also gets a cup? <laughs> I'm saying that that should be, out on, should, should be on the table as something that could possibly right. but no cup come now. into play. So kicking the balls, he goes down. Oh, no, no. Now, now he's got a scarecrow um, bundle on his head. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, of which in New Jersey, is. no need for scarecrows. It's really scary. <laughs> it's got just one hole in it. So Jenny kicks him the balls, continues to run through the woods. Jason chases after her in the woods with a pitchfork, and Jenny finds herself in a cabin. And she hides under the bed. Hides under the bed, which you do. Right. Jason comes in. He's looking around the room. Classic lumbering villain style he's Where checking everywhere except under the bed right mm. and now Ginny has seen a lot of shit tonight mm. she has been through a lot of stress but after after all this it takes, she is after this she is gonna need to move you know somewhere close by in new jersey live <laughs> live by herself <laughs> yes and you know and have nightmares of the last 20 minutes of this film no yeah uh, it, all the, what what I'm getting to is she's seen a lot of shit. She's been traumatized beyond all get. I mean, she's seen you know dead bodies. She's seen her pseudo boyfriend killed. She presumes by Jason. She's being chased by a guy with a pitchfork, and all it takes for her to piss herself is a rat. That's all it takes. She didn't piss herself before. No, not when a guy is chasing her with a pitchfork trying to destroy her body no it's it's a rat have you ever experienced um a female's irrational fear of rodents yes so (laughs) then you would have precedence to accept this yeah i'm surprised you're i'm surprised you're surprised john you're every time your girlfriend sees a rat she pisses herself (laughs) and more but i mean are you saying it's not it's not real the scene's not real because she didn't also shit herself and there was no urine or feces before this point. That's right. But she pisses. It clearly dribbles out the backside of the bed. It's a lot of piss. It's a lot of piss. It's a lot of, like, buckets of piss. And he turns for a second like he sniffs it. Yeah. He's like, whoa. 
It's it's the whole perfume with the bears thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's the point. Don't of piss this. in a cabin in the woods. Yeah. He smells the piss, and here come predators. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, he just he leaves, right? Or no, he doesn't. No, no, he doesn't leave. She assumes oh, that he right. leaves. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And he is perched on a chair. Yes. About to stab her with a pitchfork. Chair legs break. And again, it turns into some Looney Tunes type Benny Hill do 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 type pseudo murder scene. The chair, yeah, and it's but good on him for knowing that she's gonna look around the room for feet, right? So he's perched up on perched up on a chair, the way like a scared girl hiding in a bathroom stall in a movie would be. Like yeah, like if a girl had seen a rat on the floor, she would be on the chair, right? So maybe he was just as scared as she was. Can't handle his weight, breaks, falls down. She takes off? Uh, at that point, no, she doesn't take off. She takes the chainsaw. Oh, that's right. She gets out. busy. Yeah, she takes the chainsaw out of the cabinet. Um, and instead of killing him, she hits him in the arm with the chainsaw. We see a spark, right? So he's got some sort of metal plate in his arm. That's right. right? That's right. So... One slice of the chainsaw on the arm and then breaks the already broken chair over him. Yeah, why not just finish off with the chainsaw? Exactly. Instead of killing this person with a chainsaw, she clips his arm, breaks a broken chair over him, and runs into the woods again. Mm-hmm. In fact, she runs into the woods and finds the shack where the deputy died. That's right. She stumbles across the shack. She walks in to the special room that the cops saw before he died that we didn't get to see. Right. And now we see, Nathan. What do we see? What do we see? What does Ginny find in Jason's shack when she finally gets there at the end of the movie? Something very special that Jason holds on to and has created a shrine of. Um... I was disconnected by this point. I don't remember. Wow. Wow. So Jenny finds the (laughs) shrine slash altar of Mrs. Voorhees. That's right. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Did you watch this movie or did you just Wikipedia the thing? No, no, no. I watched it. Obviously. I'm questionable. I'm 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 not questionable. I'm suspicious that he is just reading summaries. The last half an hour, I was very inebriated, all right? I was very drunk when I watched the last half hour. She sees the shrine to Mama Voorhees. Uh, he, Jason is already, he's there already. He's already, already chased her there. He's coming into the shack. She has nothing to do but just lock the door behind her. Barricades it with a, a log of some kind. Yeah, because it's, it's the only metal door in the place for some reason. The one, like all the doors in the rest of the shack are just rotted pieces of wood. But the one to the mm-hmm. shrine is metal. Yeah. And she locks that with a big piece of wood. And then instantly, because of her experience with child psychology... Yep, it immediately clicks now. And she puts on Mama Voorhees' sweater. I have to act like his mother is the only way out of this. That's the only way. He will listen to his mother. Right? And so she starts... Jason beats down the door, the metal door, Mm -hmm. removes the huge piece of wood. He has a pickaxe now. He has a pickaxe now. um, Because his pitchfork broke... Oh, that's when right. he stabbed it into the cabin floor when his chair broke. That's right. So his pitchfork is now broken in two. We have the pitchfork part with the stabby stabby part. Mm-hmm. And then we have the club handle part. Right. Two separate pieces now. But okay. he's moved on to the to the pickaxe. Yep. He's He found a pickaxe somewhere. Right. And 
she starts speaking to him as if she is Mrs. Voorhees and commands him to kneel down. Mm-hmm. Right? Because she has found his machete. Yep. And he's... Which I thought the machete was still in Scott's... Uh, not Scott. Mark's head. He must have gone down and retrieved it and brought it back to the shrine. I guess. There was a lot of time of him off camera. Uh-huh. But he kneels down. He's he's looped. He doesn't know what to do. Is this his mom? Is this not his mom? He keeps seeing their face floating over. Yep. You know, he's like, well, I, sh- I should just do what mommy says and kneel down. Yep. And then as she is about to swipe him with the machete, her body contorts in such a way that she that Jason sees his mother's head and he's still like, on the shrine. trickster bitch. You, you fooled me now. Mm-hmm. And at that point, he understands that this is not his mother and swipes at Jenny's leg with the pickaxe. Mm-hmm. After blocking her shot, After. she comes down with the machete and he puts the pickup axe <laughs> to block his shot. And I just picture I just pictured him leaving New Jersey at the beginning, you know, <laughs> and like uh, getting to the end of the walkway and like, oh crap, forgot my mom's head. Like, <laughs> 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 Shit, <laughs> damn it! And thumb back in the air, back to back to the camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the rest of the movie yeah. is just like really hilarious circumstances where he almost gets the head, but somebody pulls it, he gets, you know, accidentally gets packed up and sent somewhere. <laughs> like he has to break into the Hope, New Jersey police evidence room to get mom's head back. Mm-hmm. He drops it in the crowded train station and people keep kicking it by accident right <laughs> as he's about to grab it, like Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Um, so here we have Jason... About to destroy Jenny and... Oh, oh wait. what I was going to say was that the scene where she brings the machete down and he blocks it with the pickaxe, mm-hmm. that was after they had seriously fucked up the first take of that where he went to block her machete swing because this is the 80s, so they're both using real weapons. Okay. And he goes to block her shot, but she it misses and she comes down like right on his middle finger. And almost cuts his entire middle finger off. And he has to go and get all these wicked stitches. They have to put like a fake rubbery finger over oh. his like nearly <laughs> severed mm. finger. And then they have to do the shot she again. She said they simply put a condom on his finger and applied makeup to make it look dirty. There you go. Ugh. And then like, all right, let's do it again. Uh, make sure you block it right this time, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> um, right. So guess who's not dead? Guess who comes back? Paul. Paul ain't dead. Paul ain't dead. So Jason's sloppiness continues. Mm-hmm. You'd figure the guy is laying, what, unconscious on the ground? Jason would want to just go ahead and finish him off? Yeah. Why leave a loose end like that? He had the pick. He had the pitchfork. Yeah. You just left him there. Yeah. I, I mean, my opinion of Jason is just dropping by the minute here. Because before, efficient killing we machine. We already decided that he's learning. Right. But he was much more efficient at the beginning then he is now like you'd figure he'd progressively get better right well let's since he's been rest since he wrestles with paul and it looks like again jenny is going to do nothing right but jenny actually steps to the plate she comes through she grabs the machete buries it deep deep into, into his shoulder into jason's shoulder and so he's not going to be making that mistake again leaving, right. a, leaving a loose end like that that's for sure i bet that smarts and uh that's the first time in that altar we see terry dead Mm-hmm. So before, again, we couldn't assume that she was dead because we didn't see her killed. It was the screen blacked out and whatever. But now we see her body by the shrine. And so I appreciate I appreciate corpse follow up. Mm-hmm. We uh, recently had an argument in Nightmare on Elm Street two 
about uh, the lack of certainty over many of the deaths. Um, Daniel did some hardcore assuming with the body count in that movie, which I completely and totally disagreed with. Nope. Um, so, Terry is officially dead. We have Paul carrying Jenny back to one of the cabins. Because mm-hmm. Jason's down. He's got Jay- a machete lodged he- halfway into his torso. He's got to be dead. Right. So, let's go ahead and take more time and let me carry you through the woods. We don't really know how far away this cabin is. Right. Back right. across the little pond. Right. Back across the little pond. Uh, so now they're in a cabin, and we hear some noise at a door. That's right. Right? So Jenny is at the back bed of the cabin holding the stabby-stabby part of the pitchfork. That's right. Paul goes to the door with the club handle part of the pitchfork. Mm-hmm. And, oh, Muffin's alive. Muffin's alive! Muffin's, Muffin's alive. So it was another it was, <laughs> dog looked exactly like Muffin that right. got mangled in the woods. So happy day. Happy day, Muffin's alive. Hey, Muffin. Too bad for Terry. <laughs> too, oh, ba- so too bad now, for Terry. So now the first kill doesn't, or the, the animal kill doesn't have a name anymore? Right, because Muffin's alive. Muffin Officially. is alive. Officially. And, okay. oh, happy time. Happy time. Though, I did get a little deja vu feeling, because it started feeling like the end of the first one, where yep. she's just an, on a nice, serene lake in a canoe, relaxing. Right, you just know something yeah. bad. No more happen. lunatic violin sounds. We're right, on, we're on to credit sounding music. Right, just uh, this is all over. And no, no. Ooh, we get Jason first shot of Jason's face, full retard slow motion face, Cause, mongoloid. Because Paul and Ginny had taken the hood off back before they went back to this cabin, but we didn't get to see Jason's face then. They just both went Ugh, and walked uh. off. But now we get to see Jason's face breaking through the window, grabbing a girl from behind, just like at the end of the first movie. Right. You see the machete in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And from there... It fades out to black. It fades. And then we see Ginny strapped to a gurney. Strapped to a gurney, being hauled off into an ambulance. And no sign of Paul. No sign of Jason. No cop even to come up to her and be like, hey, all your friends are dead. Right. Nothing. Nothing. She put the back of the ambulance, and the guy in the back of the ambulance says, struggles real hard to get that door closed before the car takes off. Yeah. And credits. Credits. Let's move this on into our last segment where we round everything up. How did it stack? Nathan, let's talk about sex first. Nathan, where was the sex at? Um, well, I mean, who's, what's, what's the current champion? Friday the 13th Part 1? That had, yes. That That's had, all we had to go by, right? There was a sex scene in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 1, but it was very tame. More like the... We, we appreciated the use of sexuality in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 1, right. but Friday the 13th Part one was basically crowned just because it had so much of it it had a lot more it was a fully fully new kevin bacon and marcy having sex we saw kevin bacon's Mm -hmm. ass marcy's tits definite penetration orgasms going on the whole nine yards yep Mm -hmm. and in this one we see um, nothing well 
No, you see Terry take it all off, which is nice. But not sex. That's our first full frontal nudity, our first bush. So we this, stuff, this already gets that award. So are we you, actually talking you, you sex or feeling, nudity? Both. Okay. You get the feeling from this movie that it's going to beat its predecessor sexually. But yeah, it doesn't, does it? No, it, 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 no, it tricks you into thinking it is. I mean, though, I would say the tits in part two equal the tits in part one because they're both practically non-existent. And I would happily take Terry's bush and ass over Kevin Bacon's any day. Yes. Right. But the act of sex in part one was significantly better. Yeah. Because we had full-blown orgasms happening, whereas in part two, we have Jeff orgasming sort of. Yeah. And his sort like, of, sort of just creepy O-face. Right? And just giving up. It may, it may not be worth mentioning because these movies aren't really worth respecting. But uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, or sorry, Friday the 13th part one has kind of like a, a theme going with the whole sexual element to it, you know? The kids were making love while Jason drowned, right? right. They've all gotta yeah. they've all gotta make love for her to get pissed off enough to kill them all. Yeah. Whereas on Nightmare on Elm Street, they're done with making love, they're actually sleeping. Mm-hmm. Which is when the actual shit starts to happen. Right. Now you're in my realm, bitch. But yeah, there we go. So we have we have Terry's full frontal nudity and we have one sex scene, a rather mild sex scene. Yeah. So I don't think and no a, nudity in the sex scene. Yeah, no nudity. That's right. No nudity in the actual sex scene. That all comes from Terry yeah. skinny dipping in the lake. And so. it's and it's so disappointing because, as a boy, you really want to see Sandra's what what Sandra has to offer. You're mm-hmm. kind of excited about yeah. that, and uh, yeah, the whole missionary, you know, anti nudity is kind of. Oh yeah, she yeah. she takes her shirt off off camera, throws it into Jeff's face, and then it cuts away back to Mark and Vicky. Right, and you're like, ah, oh, come on, yeah, come on. You can see through her shirt when she takes Jeff up the stairs, and she's got no bra on. You can see through her shirt; she's got big nipples. Yeah, and the entire time in the woods when she's dragging him to Camp Crystal Lake, she's wearing that bikini top, mm-hmm. very nice. Mm. And then nothing. Such <laughs> a letdown. So I guess there's no real clear winner. I mean, it does have Bush for the first time, which it's got other mo- other movies beat on, but it's sex or in general not really sticking out. Right. And you know the creativity of the kills again in, in Friday the Thirteenth Part One I thought was better than Part Two. Yeah. Except and, for the wheelchair yeah. death, I like that one a lot. And but just I overall, think... uh, not anywhere near as much sex and nudity as you would think coming back to these old slasher films. Right. It, it, especially if. All the uh, talk from the censors in the MPAA is about moving this to a rated X. Yeah. You'd figure it'd be a lot worse. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could read you what the restricted requirements are, but it might bore people. Well, Mm -hmm. so it'd be on par with the rest of your commentary. (laughs) (laughs) Look, all right. I I was very drunk for the last half an hour of this movie. Yes. Yeah. Totally forgot about the shrine of Mrs. Voorhees, right? This will be coming up over No, as you guys are saying things, I totally remember them. Like, I I remember thinking, where does he get all the candles? (laughs) (laughs) It's all about these things, you know, where these practical things where they do it for effect. But in the end, you know, he's in this bullshit little shack in the middle of nowhere. With a working toilet. We're... Where's yeah exactly? Where does he get this stuff? <laughs> How does he pay his water bill? He's obviously not walking into a store. That's not happening. Right. He's stealing it he from the camps. Killing yeah, he's killing people and just raiding <laughs> and finding 
Oh, great, more candles. I'm set now for so, another month. Where he takes some candles that are kind of ugly and, like, picks them up and then puts them back down and <laughs> yeah. gets prettier candles. So, I mean, he's really less of, like, a psychopathic murderer and more of just, like, a bandit marauder type. Yeah. He's a pirate. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the whole thing motivating his killing spree is to get more candles. <laughs> and so he's trying to provide ambiance in his nice woodsy shack. His toilet is pretty clean compared to what the state of the condition of the shack is. Right. So, I mean, he does have standards. He's nesting. He's going to live with his mommy forever. Mm-hmm. That's what this movie's missing. Is like some sort of commentary from him, you know? Yes, mommy. Yes, I'll kill them. Yeah, no talking from Jason. No. Jason's a mute, I think, as far... Not not an actual mute, but I think his just his character, I don't think, ever speaks. Dude, did he ever learn how to speak? Ooh. Can his frightened retard mouth actually make noises? Is he gonna come out like? Is he gonna come out like Nell? Like, he's got his own language. Yeah. High tie in the way. <laughs> High tie in the way. Chicka pie way. Chicka pie way. Oh my God! We went from Friday the Thirteenth to Nell to Pootie Tang. So let's get a rundown of the deaths. I guess that means we can only say that there is a body count of eight in this movie. Yep. Now that we know that. Muffin did not die, and we don't know about Paul. And we don't know about Paul, so we have to put it at eight, which is two less than the previous movie. Yeah. What sequel doesn't try and have more nudity and more kills right. than it, its predecessor? It seems like the formula for a sequel is the original movie times two, right? Like yeah. twice the sex, twice the death, twice the gore, right? Yeah, and we watched the trailer for this, which also made it seem that way. It was and like, the tra- here we go, stacking up the bodies, 14, 15, 16, and you're right. like, okay. And the trailer says... That there were 12 deaths in the first Friday the 13th movie. Yeah, which is bullshit. Right. Even well, Nathan knows that's bullshit. Both of these movies are bullshit. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> quick run-through. We've got Alice stabbed in the temple with an ice pick at the beginning. Deputy Winslow <laughs> takes a hammer claw to the back of the skull. Scott's throat... Tying up loose ends. That's right. Did you know that at the beginning, Jason's legs are like a woman's legs? Or, oh, because they had a female stunt person or something? Uh, the first Jason scene in the movie is a shot of Jason's legs walking across the street towards Alice's house. This is the only time in the series Jason was played by a woman. Jason's legs belong to Ellen Lutter, the film's costume designer. Hey, there you go. Huh. Bringing in the trivia. There you go, boys. I am helpful some of the time. <laughs> so, he gets on... So, the first kill of the movie is the... Uh, driver of the truck that he hitchhikes hitchhikes with (laughs) no no, that is a wild assumption um we've already established it goes alice deputy winslow then number three is scott his throat is slit while he hangs upside down four Mm. terry is killed off screen but we are going to confirm that from the end of the movie when we see her body so does that mean she's four or does that mean she's eight uh i'm gonna say four we can assume that she was killed then and then dragged back to his shack and left there not like he kept her alive all the way to the end I just wish they would show him dragging her. Or killing her. <laughs> I know, wouldn't that be awesome, though? Having her, like, be, be dragged across that puddle, you know? Oh, yeah, like by the hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'd be great. It would be. Uh, number five, Mark takes the backside of a machete to the face, rolls down the exorcist stairs. Six and seven is Sandra and Jeff getting speared together to the bed. And number eight is uh, Vicky stabbed to death. And that's as far as we can go, because Jason definitely didn't die. Uh, Paul we're unsure of. Ginny makes it out alive. And that's it. Yeah. 
That wraps it all up. Rather uh, tame. I think we. I think I speak for everyone here. Uh, Nathan, obviously, not a fan of these. But <laughs> out of the ones that we've watched so far on this podcast, I got to say this is probably my least favorite. Your least favorite would, podcast uh, of, of the least, <laughs> least favorite movie of the four that we've seen. That this is like the most disappointing, for sure. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's necessarily the worst movie. I'd say it's the most disappointing because it's it sets it up, and it just really disappoints you. Yeah, I was expecting many kills. The way they flooded in those counselors at the beginning, I was like, oh, I, yeah, here's all the meat. Yep. I'm waiting for Jason to execute. You know, I'm waiting him for for him to be this legendary character. And it's kind of a struggle, man. It's a struggle to watch this thing become what it's supposed to become. I didn't realize that the growing pains were so awful. They, they are <laughs> tough. This is a, the first two or three movies of this franchise is kind of like the first book of the Wheel of Time series. You lost me. It's like, an, it's like <laughs> all these movies together are like one big prologue. Yeah, that weird Eye of the World thing mm-hmm. with the... Uh, with with the two Forsaken showing up and the Green Man, it's kind of scattered. I have no idea what you guys are talking about right now. <laughs> it's kind of scattered. We slipped <laughs> off into a different nerd hole. Um, yeah, no, I just I, now that you said the first two or three movies, that makes me concerned because I was kind of now. It's like I do find myself holding out hope for the next one. Like, yeah, to, yeah, don't take my word. Uh, and Mark, I actually felt like watching the third one after I finished watching this one. Like, oh, come on. Like, I just want to get there. I just, <laughs> just, just want to get to the point where he's cool. But he's still not cool. He's putting a bag over his head with a hole with one hole in it. He's got this weird fucked up shrine to his mother. Like, let it go, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Let's, I let's just. Well, I mean, know, I, under, I understand the, the point of, you know, a lot of this movie building up his backstory. Confirm, you know, it, progressing the legend of jason actually finding the shrine of his mom like i i get all that stuff and that stuff needed to come out some movie right right might as well be this one Mm -hmm. but now we've got something to look forward to now we've gotten all the exposition that we need moving forward so i don't know vote for the best death i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to go with uh i'm gonna have to go with the wheelchair scene i'm gonna have to give in on that because i'm I knew it. It's thinking the best back one. over, it's a pretty good one, yeah. Well, well, thinking about it, yeah. I mean, because they, I mean, maybe the double impalement would have had a chance, but because it's not really included in the movie, can't really consider it. So, what are you going to do? That's true. I'm certainly taking that wheelchair scene. I thought that was phenomenal. Well, meet three. I also vote in this scene as my favorite. That is the 100 Lunatics podcast favorite death of Friday the 13th, part two. <laughs> <laughs> Here he goes. You just skipped right over the tropes. You oh, added, you, you peppered them in as they went by, didn't you? Yeah, this this wasn't very trope heavy though. There was a few specific ones, but nothing like its predecessor. Yeah, and it made sure to establish a lot of things beforehand that kind of robbed the tropiness. Usually, if you have no explanation for why a car shouldn't start and it just doesn't start, then you're like trope. <laughs> but like you said here, they took like multiple opportunities yeah. to let you know that that, B- that VW was a piece of shit. Yeah, and, and and I think it almost kind of voids the tropiness because it's not, it's not without reason or without precedence. So, and then you have it's pretty minimal on people investigating uh, noises. Um, instead of falling down a lot when she gets chased by Jason, she kicks him in the balls and oh, like right, significantly hurts him. So she's actually doing pretty good as a heroine. I mean, the whole, like, cat being thrown through a window. That's is a kinda, pretty good one, yeah. That's, uh, Especially when you that can was... tell that the cat is being thrown and is not jumping. Right. There was no jumping from the cat. 
That was straight. I kind of liked that actually. That opening part with the with the cat kind of made me, you know, adjust. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, <laughs> trope. <laughs> Did you like seeing the survivor from the last movie get it at the beginning of the next one? I wonder if that's something that will carry through onto part three. I thought it was a cheap way to fill up screen time. Yes. That means uh, I, I thought her remembering thought. the yeah, absolute was... end of the first movie. Because that, that puts the real running time in this movie at like 70 just, minutes. Yeah, Just so that you can put the character in a place where he has no earthly business being. And, you know, start a conversation about hitchhikers and how they would be killed along the way. Because, really, the reason why we're bringing that up as a joke is because he has no earthly business being there. Like, there's no reason for him to be in that neighborhood or to know where she is. And really, he, he doesn't have the ability to talk to people and investigate where she is, and he can't go look up look up things in in various public offices and try to find. He's not going where to the library. Is not a library yeah. just scrolling through microfiche, like <laughs> <laughs> looking I mean, up the white pages? Yeah, it's nineteen eighty one, so maybe he could just go to a a, a telephone. <laughs> maybe maybe he's been to several places with the same last name trying to find her but how does he know her last name like I don't licking his, how does he know her first name licking his fat yeah. finger with his deformed tongue to turn the pages <laughs> <laughs> there was a boy a very strange enchanted boy hey guess who made a mistake during the stack I'm going to go ahead and blame it on Nathan. What did we do? We forgot to include Crazy Ralph's death in our body count. What were we thinking? Anyways, throw him in at number two. That brings the body count up to nine. And don't worry, the stack will be right on the site. Now, thanks for joining us. Tune in next week for Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. And in the meantime, you can rate and review us on iTunes. Check us out at 100lunatics.squarespace.com. That's 100 written out in letters. Or talk to me directly at 100lunatics on Twitter, that's 100 the number. Talk to Nathan directly at IHateHorror. Or now, talk to John directly at John Fan Club. While we spoke of many things, fools and kings. Have, have you not seen a picture of this? I believe Daniel is going to send you a picture of this setup. I heard a clicking sound coming from his old school iPhone. If I get a... Oh. You've got a text message. Hey, beautiful. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, beautiful. You've got a text message. Narcissist maniac. <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with you? Loved in return. I want, I want to watch now. Now the challenge for me is to watch a horror movie and actually feel like it satisfied me. And... That's weird. I didn't expect to have this experience. I'm actually eager to see if it, if, if a horror movie can succeed and win me over. That's right. Now you know how I feel. I, I want I want it to. I'm cheering for it to do it. But it's... It's you know. a long, hard road of disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a long, hard road of disappointment. I'm starting to, I'm starting to feel that. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in
death, 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 death. Here's Jason. Here's his shack. Here's his mommy. I'm your mommy. Kill, kill, kill. Twist ending.